0: How does our intro start? Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Charlie. And I'm Hannah. And we're due to enter somethings we reading our favourite childhood book, but this time we've added alcohol and cynicism. In today's episode, we're talking about chapters 20 and 21 of Order of the Phoenix. So grab the dregs of your bucket <laughs> of alcohol and join us on this reminiscent journey. Oh, are we recording? <laughs> Hi. Hi. This is off the back of the last episode. We've had like an hour break to eat some food. Yes. Um, and we're still drinking, drinking the, the bucket. bucket. Um, we thought we would have a patron alcohol request this episode. Uh, we've had to push that back because we still have a third of the bucket to drink. And yes. we will not waste this bucket. <laughs> we won't. We cannot. We've spent so much money on this bucket. I suppose it's not that much money when you think about like how many t- like when you think about how many yeah. drinks we've had what scares me is the volume of drinks we've had versus the number of wheeze i've had it feels not the right ratio you're gonna piss all night long all night long all night oh no that was, that was not great that was bad anyway we're still drinking the bucket of mixed tiktok liquid <laughs> And yes. by the way, when we say bucket, it's like a yellow storage box that Neil had to clean some, like, mouldy dirt off earlier, like... Great, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're such classy gals. Honestly, like, some people at work are like, oh, I did a wine dating this weekend, and I'm like, I filled a yellow bucket with cheap alcohol mm-hmm. and drunk it whilst talking about Harry Potter. Yeah, we just, we're living our best lives. Honestly, lives, lives, <laughs> <Life's. laughs> Look... I've drunk most of that bucket, so (laughs) shut the fuck up. We have shared the bucket. Yeah. Just because I've been scooping less because I started to put it in a litre water bottle. Yeah, because you're organised. This is Order of the Phoenix and we have some thank yous to do. Okay so we have some new patrons to welcome to the team. So first off a supersonic size thank you to Sari. A china size thank you to Che. A Whitney Houston size thank you to Witty No. A RuneScape size thank you to Rusa. A Magaluf size thank you to Marissa. An Ollivander size thank you to Olivia. A bone. A bath. Bartholomew from the Bible, size thank you to Brie. I've never read the Bible, I don't know who's in there. Is is there a Bartholomew? Pretty sure there's a Bartholomew. There's like a Matthew and like a... (laughs) Old Testament, I'm talking Old Testament. like a Judas guy, right? That's again New Testament, I'm talking Old Testament. I don't know the difference. I've never read either, but... (laughs) Anyway, yeah. thanks, Brie. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you all so much for joining Team Patron. They get access to the vlog of today, including that making we the bucket that we keep forgetting to film. They get access to... Oh, we haven't even talked about this on the podcast yet. We recently recorded the next film con- commentary episode. So that is where we play the Harry Potter film and record a commentary over the top. So if you guys like start playing the film at the same time, you'll be listening to our commentary as you watch it. And we just yes. did Chamber of Secrets. And they are so much fun to record. Yeah. Like. Mostly because we get to watch the films. Yeah. And we're just like chatting away. Like I'm mates. looking forward to us doing the fourth one. And it's just. Screaming. Uh, two hours of screaming. Yeah. yeah of course. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, they get access to all of that. But also thank you to all of them for helping to support this podcast. Things this week that have happened are like a random wire breaking on our equipment, which is just annoying things we have to pay for. (laughs) So the uh, the patrons help to support us on things like that, which are just irritating little things that happen. (laughs) Yes. We also have a review from Ray the Nerd and they said great chemistry and fun tangents have really got into this podcast again. I needed something to listen to during work so I decided to start up again. I'm just finishing Prisoner of Azkaban and will be working through four and five in the next few weeks. I adore the accents and the tangents the hosts get into. That's so nice. I'm glad you love the tangents because the last few episodes have like 20 minute intro tangents and I think they're hilarious. I agree good times that's my contribution to that. great <laughs> so as we already said the alcohol is a repeat from the previous week which i don't think we've ever carried an alcohol over two episodes have we um the only ones are where like we've had neil on and had to like split it into oh yeah i think i don't remember how we podcast i think at some point we talk about harry potter we're only 7 minutes and that sounds way too early to talk about harry potter sounds like we haven't done enough bants but what can we banter about? It's excellent vibe that we're setting for this episode. <laughs> we're setting a really bad vibe. I think we need to reset the vibe for this episode. How can we reset the Wait, I'll reset the vibe. She's resetting the vibe. Oh no, this is a good vibe. Up. It was like you did, action. yeah. She just gl- glid, glided. You know when glided? It's to be able to put most of this in the episode. Abba's, who's going to tell Abba? Reason. No one's going to tell Abba. No one tell anyone. You can use a certain amount if and scan it. No, but we're what talking we over it, so they're not oh, going to know. I see. As long as we see. See, as long as we continue to talk. I don't want to talk. <laughs> that fits so well because he said as long as we continue to talk and she said it's so good. I told you this would set the vibe. Put this in the vlog. Why is this not great vlog? For? Oh yeah. Because I can't record and play music. That's why. Okay, right. Vibe okay. over. The vibe has ended. That is, that was a rogue choice from you for an Abba song as well because that's one of the slower ones. I just, I love that song. It, like, it's one of my but, like positive energy. Yeah. That was beautiful. I feel a lot more alive now. Same. Let's go. Chapter 20... Hagrid's Hagrid's tale. Tale. Okay, I have a thing about this chapter, right? Okay, tell me. Tell me the tale. Okay, it's it's, number one, it's one of the only chapters in Harry Potter where the entire chapter is just someone else telling a story, essentially, apart from... Oh, the tale of the three brothers, maybe, otherwise. There are other things going on at the beginning and end, but it's mostly Hagrid telling a story. And also, I used to skip this chapter if I was rereading the books. Because once you know what Hagrid did, I feel like it doesn't add that much. Because I'm just like, yeah, okay. Which is... I really enjoyed making notes on it today. Maybe because I have listened to it a lot less or read it a lot less than the rest of the book. Yeah, I quite like it. And to be fair, like, I don't read the chapters and really do that much critical thinking about how I like them as a chapter overall. Obviously, I kind of, you know, do the thinking behind to make the notes and stuff. But I never really think of them as a whole of a chapter. But now that you've said that, thinking about this as a chapter, I actually really like it. And I like it because I think that we get a lot more like background information on, on Hagrid and we learn a lot more about Hagrid than yeah. we do at any other point because Har- Hagrid is kind of like oh, he's more of a caricature than a character at times yeah like he kind of like speaks in like not like cliches but just these like really classic like Hagrid kind of like moments and yeah, yeah. and he's a bit of this like big kind of like oafish fish but lovable buffoon kind yeah. of like character yeah yeah and we don't get like a huge amount of like real moments from him, but in these like two coming chapters We do. We really, really do and we learn a lot more about his personality type. And we learn a lot about how fucking diehard he is for Dumbledore as well. Oh yeah. Um I, I, I just th- I, I think me skipping when I was younger was more just like not understanding this chapter enough and just being like, oh like I don't know I'm just I used to skip over if and this is not skip over to read the first time like when I was heavily rereading as like a teenager but I used to skip over the chapters at the beginning of book four six and seven that weren't from Harry's perspective and this one but, like, Harry's not a great character. I know. And now those chapters... Are the the book... Like, The Other Minister is one of my favourite chapters ever Yeah. Now. So it's, like... It, but it's I, funny how that's an adult thing. I always loved that chapter. Oh, did you? Okay. All, always. Like, and I think it was just, like, I... Even when I was young, was like, oh, thank
1: fuck, fuck. it's not from
0: Harry's point of view. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I also, like, I like this chapter as well because, like, I think you know that I am a massive fan of the theory that Hagrid was always supposed to be evil. Um, I just love it like I don't know if it was real and I think that if it was she maybe like changed her mind quite early on but I think that it's just an interesting way to read the character I don't want him to be evil but I think that it like adds a lot and I think when you kind of think about what happens in this chapter if you View it through the lens of actually thinking that Hagrid is a double agent is really quite interesting. So that's like a second layer to why I love it. You're making me think of, and this is not related, but that kind of, I suppose, that kind of thing of characters being written as evil, then their author changing their mind. That Frozen is written was originally written with Elsa being the evil character. Really? Yeah, she was meant to be the villain. And even when the first trailer came out, she was the villain. The story that the heroes were the two sisters and the love came from their love got added much later on. And I'm like, but it makes the story what it is. So that's interesting so they rush to get the cloak to get down to hagrid's and there's this funny bit where they're like waiting around for hermione and she's dawdling and then she comes down in like gloves hat scarf and she's like it's cold outside it's me when we go to pubs right now and all pubs are outdoors i'm like it's cold and then there's me in like a crop top yeah charlie like texted me the other day she's like do i have to wear a coat when we go to the pub i'm like yeah. she's like oh, i've checked the weather though and it's 10 degrees and i think that's borderline i'm like yeah but if we stay out till 10 o'clock at night it'll be four degrees and that's not borderline this is four degrees Celsius." by the way not fahrenheit i don't think i wore the coat though you did have it off for most of the night you did yeah. put it on towards the end did i like i said i don't remember you don't remember they get to hagrid. hagrid's hagrid's o- hagrid opens the door and he is visibly injured covered in blood and bruises like hermione screams and he won't tell them why he's injured he just like <laughs> he has this like giant raw steak that he's just like slapping against his face it's a really vivid image that she's painting here that's kind of disgusting they try to ask him what he's been doing and he's like i'm not going to tell you it's more than my job's worth dumbledore says i can't and they're like you've been with the giants yes and he's like you lot are little shits you disgusting little shit but he's like smiling yeah he's like oh i hate you all you've always been like this since you were 11 (laughs) he 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 but it's also he could have styled it out and be like huh no but he's just like oh god damn it oh god I now have to tell the entire story in great detail they found me out so Hagrid doesn't want to tell them anything even when they've guessed it's with giants and Harry is then like well I got attacked by Dementors and Hagrid's like what and Harry's like I won't tell you anything about it until you tell me and then doesn't tell him at the end of the conversation he goes back up to the castle (laughs) and also like why does this work because Hagrid could have (laughs) just asked Dumbledore (laughs) like Poor Hagrid. He's like, oh no, <laughs> tell me. Okay, I will tell you. And then they just don't tell him. Yeah, then they just don't tell him at the end of the chapter. Brilliant. <laughs> I love it. Hagrid says he and Manda Maxim did go to look for giants and it took them a month to get there because they had to walk. And I just wrote down Europe road trip, even though it's a walking trip, but also I kind of love it, like summer, walking through Europe, walking through France, then I think he said Poland and... What other country did he say just sound like, nice i don't know about geography but i feel like that would have taken more than a month they're very tall in. each of their strides is like three of yours i guess yeah I think it's more possible than you think it is i guess that just yeah like that's a lot of walking it is it's a lot of walking. like it's impressive Hagrid would have been like ripped after this like yeah. just yeah very like toned. Hermione again is really cute. He's like, oh yeah, we like had to shake up some death theatres around John. And she's like, oh, Dijon, I went there on holiday. Did you get a chance to? And he's like, no. <laughs> like, did you get a chance to visit this museum? Yes. So. Just imagine if they just stopped for museums along the way. Well, he does stop at pubs. He says he got into a fight with like a vampire or if something, something like, in a pub. pub. could be to eat. Yes. You, they have to eat at some point. Yeah. And by the sounds of it, if they're bumping into magical creatures, the Again, this question I have because we asked it when Wormtail met thingy in albania mm. does each kind of area of countries have a specific magical pub by the way hagrid's making it sound yes they do yeah there must be like yeah. just like wizarding settlements all over the place yeah because wizards tend to cluster together and therefore there'd be pubs and that's where you plan to stop off because we agreed the wormtail would not have bumped into bertha jorkins randomly and that was probably a wizarding pub in albania yeah, It's gotta be surely 100% yeah yeah which is like a very niche thing yes <laughs> It is. Yeah. I wonder how many pubs there are in the UK. If you were like some, like a wizard, like on the run, you would just not go in a wizarding pub. That seems like a glaringly obvious fuck up. Surely. Yes. He was like, I won't be recognized here. It's like you're, it's, um... <laughs> you're really narrowing it down. Yeah, Or just, like, you can be a human. You can go in a normal pub. Yeah. I do wonder how many pubs, because Harry is never, like, really of age in the books that are in the UK, because we know of three, but I hope there's quite a lot more. There's got to be more. If you I think... imagine there's one in each of the wizarding settlements. Yeah. yeah. And, like, maybe the ones that are kind of, like, mixed with, like, wizards and muggles. Maybe there's, like, a pub there that's just, like, the pub where weird shit happens. Yes. You know, or or there's, th- like, a back room where they have, like, there's like, oh, it's that club. but I don't really know who I can join. And it's actually just the wizards. Yeah. But like, I feel like, I don't know, a lot of towns have like that really weird weird pub. pub. And maybe that's just like the wizarding pub. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. So they get to the giants. They Mm -hmm. don't really describe where it is in Europe. We can presume if they walk through Poland, it's quite far in like Northeastern Europe in the mountains somewhere. And they were worried about Death Eaters being there as well. That Voldemort sent envoys of death eaters and when they get there there are 70 to 80 giants and hagrid kind of implies this is all that's left in mainland europe yeah of giant population and what we get in this chapter is actually like what i found really interesting reading as an adult is a kind of very strong allegory which is a bit weird again because giants are human-like but it's a very strong allegory for humans wiping out animals because of overpopulation and pushing them into certain areas and therefore them not being able to cope or like anything like that it it is it's kind of based on that like the wizards didn't want giants in lots of different areas so the giants were forced into one small area but giants are not made to be yeah all together so therefore they then kill each other And it's very cruel, and like wizards don't see this, don't seem to see this as a problem because giants are demonized by wizards. Yeah, wizards really do just like make themselves the center of attention with everything. Honestly, it's just like they just the audacity. I know. Like Like, giants are clearly sentient people who could punch you to death. Like. yeah it's honestly it's just like bigotry just really runs rife in the wizarding community and I just i wonder like what happened that like at some point in the wizarding development like it just became kind of like a cultural norm that they just had this completely like self-centered everything is about us like we matter above everyone else like yeah we are the number one and it's like it is like a bad thing that race isn't directly talked about enough in Harry Potter mm. and that like for all we see and all we really learn about is that like the wizarding community is predominantly white but also then when you like hear about this behaviour you're like yeah that adds up yeah that adds up yeah, yeah 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 like this is a very white community and you can tell by how they treat everyone around them yeah we literally learn from a half line that giants have gone extinct in the British Isles yeah. they no longer exist it's, yeah. and and yeah wizards are still like, like Ron's attitude when he found out Hagrid's mother was a giant Giants are vicious and dangerous It's like they're vicious and dangerous Because you're telling them where they have to live And forcing them into these tight communities Rather than just leaving them the fuck alone Yeah and also it's just like So why they're vicious and dangerous Like at the end of the day It's like you, you wouldn't like be like Oh, like lions are vicious and dangerous, so we should make them extinct. People say that about sharks. Sharks are becoming extinct. Just leave them alone. Sharks are becoming extinct because people are like, they're vicious and dangerous, they should be killed. No, they shouldn't. And they kill like 20 humans a year. That's not that many. Just leave them alone. (laughs) Just just leave them alone and they're not going to kill you. Like, (laughs) oh my God. (laughs) Then what we start to get... I just said it was kind of an allegory for animals going extinct. But as Hagrid then explains it, so Hagrid and Maxime approach the Gurg of the group, which is the leader of the certain group of giants. This really makes me laugh because we have a guy in our Discord called Gurg. Yes! (laughs) Because his name's Greg. And I always thought that it was like, just like... A spelling Greg thing, Gurg. Yeah. and now I'm like, was this actually oh, Harry Potter, Potter, Potter thing? Oh my god! Can you tell me was this actually supposed to be a reference, or I can't remember the origin story. Yeah, I but... can't remember now. Yeah. So they walk in carrying gifts. And they have to carry them, like, above their head so that they're known that they're carrying gifts. And, like, the big vibes I got was, like, what I know, which is not that much about, like, white people entering tribes and tribal communities and being, like, I am smarter than you I need to talk to you about this thing, but I am going to appease you by carrying this gift of this thing that you don't know about because you're not in modern society. That was, like, yeah. the vibes I got, like, heavy white people, like... Being like, wow, these people are amazing, but I'm going to give them a gift of something that will blow their mind. I don't yeah. know. It's, it's that whole thing with, like, the wizards where it's like, they completely gatekeep magic. And even when there's, like, other, like, species that have, like, more magic. Yeah than them like if it's in a different form and like they don't let anyone else use wands and like they look down on like house elf magic even though like in some ways it's like a lot stronger than theirs theirs. it's like they completely gatekeep magic and like you know there's nothing to say that like giants can't do magic in the wizarding way or that they don't have their own form of magic yeah but it's like oh we offered them magic because it's like no you're offering them your, your kind of magic yeah um, which historically you have like used as a weapon against them and now you're offering it as a gift like yeah it's being like very very selective it's like this is a gift to you as opposed to something that we're just like giving you as a standard because it's like okay if the if the giants don't have magic or if they don't have magic in a way that's like particularly like practical then it's like surely you should be using your magic to help them especially as they're going extinct but like anyway just be a nice person and like help them and like give them access to this magic to like help them as like a species especially as they're going extinct why is it like this is a special gift for you rather than being like hey like we can like help you out. Like, I mean, here is right now it's a special gift for them because the direct thing they're trying to do is get the giants to join Dumbledore's army. Like, yeah, like they're trying to get them to join on against you know who. Like, they're trying to get them into war. And I understand, like, Dumbledore is doing this because otherwise they will go towards you know who, so he doesn't have any other choice. And Dumbledore is one of the only characters we learn through this chapter who is historically spoken verbally against what's happened to the giants he said it to fudge at the end of book four that you need to send envoys like he is someone who's outspoken against the giants and like is i would suppose an ally of them and doesn't believe in this gatekeeping but yeah right now he is trying to put them into an army yeah and it's like one of those things where it's like at least for like the wizarding world at large it's like maybe like you should have made this gesture like 20 years ago or like any number of years ago it's like it's like in a way, like I don't blame the Giants for taking the side of Voldemort because it's like, you should have done this a long time ago. It's like, why are you only coming to them when you need them and offering them this when you should have done that? Like I, you should have not put them in a point where I, they're becoming extinct. And then when they were, you should have like given them that help. Like this is something that always should have been there. I'm I just had a thought that maybe when the giants were forced to be extinct and I would need to fact check this and it might not exist, but maybe when the giants were begun to force to be into these titanic communities and, like, rounded up in certain areas is when the Statute of Magical Secrecy came in. Because previous to that, muggles and wizards lived in harmony, quote-unquote, like they lived together. But after that, wizards went underground and became secret. And giants give that away. So wizards had to, like make sure they were in certain areas and that's when they became extinct because to the wizards they're like i am doing this for both your and my own good because we need to stay secret so it's kind of like a catch-22 but it's like you could have come up with a better solution your magic yeah i feel like it almost kind of parallels what christianity has done in a lot of areas and like what i'm supposed to say uh, what i'm about, about to say is like not like i've this is off the top of my head. Like, I've not fact-checked this and this is not, like, an area that I extensively know about. This is, like, from things here and there that I've read, so it might not be 100% accurate. But, like, what I believe is true is essentially that, like, Christianity, like, came into, like, a lot of African areas and helped create the, like, poverty in the situations that are there. Mm. And then later on were then, like, acting as, like, the saviors. Yeah. So, like, they created the issue... And then fucked off. And then later on came back like, we, like, we, we, we will, will save, save you. you. Like, and this is kind of what the wizards have done. Like, they've created this situation for the giants. Yeah. And then later on, when they want the giants on their, say, on their side, then came back like, here, have this magic. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's It's a really interesting issue. And like, now as an adult, I'm really glad we have this whole chapter about it because It's one of these other expansions of the Wizarding World, which I'm like, this is a fascinating, political, interesting issue that like this chapter doesn't even that go into enough detail. Yeah, 100%. So they go down with gifts to the Gerg. The gifts have to be magic, as we just said. Because giants are fascinated by magic but don't like it being used against them. But it's important that they go down with a gift on the first day, say, this is from Dumbledore. I would like to come back and speak to you tomorrow and I will bring another gift. So it's like doing it slowly. Ron is like, why can't you just speak to them then? I'm like, do you, Ron, (laughs) use your brain. (laughs) So the next day they come back with another gift and then they begin to talk to the giants and the giants are pretty perceptive. Like, this is looking good. However, that night there is a huge giant fight and the Gerg the current Gerg Carcass is killed and I'm like did you call him Carcass because he was going to be killed and his head's going to end up in a lake <laughs> like a carcass Subtle. of a person? yeah he's a carcass now what do you even do with a giant's body do they eat each other maybe Like otherwise it's just rotting that would smell yeah so now there's a new Gerg and they go to try to speak to him but immediately he grabs Hagrid and And to get Hagrid free, Maxime has to use magic, which obviously does not make them happy. And they now hate Hagrid and Maxime. So they lay low for a while. And a few likes later, they spot Death Eaters visiting the new Gug. And it looks like the new Gug even possibly killed the old Gug because the Death Eaters had already been talking to him. And the Death Eaters had already won him over, which is a shame. And also you think like it took them a month to travel there. And I'm like... I didn't realise it was such a time press on this thing. Like, was there not a quicker way to get... Like, I yeah. know they were being watched by magic, but I'm like, there was a time-sensitive issue here. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's also... This is, like, what I love where I think that we learn a lot more about Hagrid's character, when they're like, oh, so, like, you left, and he's like, no, of course we didn't leave. Like, Dumbledore was relying on us. Yeah, it's, like, pretty amazing. He was like, no, I'm not leaving. Like, we will yeah. find another way to like, do this. This is, like, imagine, like, doing a month of travelling, and then... That going so badly. And you must just be like so exhausted yeah. and just like wanting to get home. And you know that you're missing like the school term. Yeah. And like you think that like you fucked up. Like and it's still going to take you like a month to get home. Mm-hmm. And imagine we're like no we're going to stay. Like, yeah. Big respect. Like I love Hagrid. Like we He's... we obviously like we always like Hagrid's always portrayed as like a nice character we see him favorably in that respect but we don't really see a lot of like really like admirable like well, no cuz we see him being like a very like kind and like a very loyal friend blah yeah. blah. But there's always kind of this lens I feel that we have on it where it's like, oh, but then he like accidentally said this thing and he always oh, such a buffoon blah yeah, blah blah. Yeah, yeah. Or like, oh, he's got like such a poor taste in like character when it comes to like magical creatures. Like, do you know what I mean? It's always like through Harry's eyes of yeah, looking down on him somewhat. Um, I also think this chapter and the next one gives us like a different side of intelligence and we were talking about different types of intelligence in the last episode that hagrid has that other characters don't so in this chapter it's to do with like the other ways he goes about trying to persuade the giants So he yeah. goes and finds the ones that have been injured and like things like that and in the next chapter although it's framed through like umbrage and it being a bad thing he is the only person in britain to have trained That is not that, that does not come from having no skill. That is an incredibly skilled thing he has done. Like, he has an an amount of intelligence that, like, other characters don't have. It's just in a different genre. (laughs) Yeah, that's not the right word. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So they decide to go out looking in caves for giants who clearly don't get on with the new Gurg in the hopes of persuading some outliers to come and join them. And they find six or seven injured giants who end up listening to them and are kind of yes. interested. That are all in a cave that Hagrid describes as there wasn't room to swing a kneezel. Or a and kniesel, as Stephen Fry said it. Kneezel. I just love this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just imagining so like much. the giants literally like... Their heads and butts, like, literally touching the ceiling of the cave. It being that cramped. Yeah, but it's just, like, I just love that expression. Because it's essentially, like, if you were to say, like, not enough room to swing Swing a a cat. cat. And it's just, like, why is this... It's always been a phrase. Like, I just... just, You would say about this room right now with the... Yeah. bucket of alcohol there's I not room to swing it. a cat like, why, why, are you, why are you swinging this why you shouldn't be swinging a cat have you ever tried to swing a cat they will attack you of course I haven't they will attack you that's what I'm saying why have you been swinging a cat I haven't they would attack me Like my cats attack me when I try to pet them so I'm not exactly gonna fucking to attacked you earlier when you tried to pet him to me I was asking for it you were uh, you did literally like put your face into his belly it but looked, then he walked on you later he fluffy he was fluffy so then the gurg hurts or kills all these Giants that yeah, Hagrid um, and Maxime have talked to. Yeah, I also had a note just about how horny Hagrid is for Olymp in this. All <laughs> he creeping. does is gush, like he she's is so simping. Brave. She's so she's, she's amazing. So oh, she loves strong. roughing it. Blah blah blah. You would think because just... she's like French and a lady, she would have been all like, t- you know, uppity. But no. Yeah, he he's got a bad. I almost kind of like though that it's never confirmed in the book so they actually fully get together or are just kind of friends, friends with benefits. Like I feel like a lot in the book like it's like these people got together, they got married, they had kids and Hagrid and Limper kind of left to be like they have found uh, companionship in each other but we mm. don't know what that looks like and that is all yeah. good and fine. Yeah. Hermione asks whether Hagrid found anything out about his mum and he's like oh she died she, she's dead which is uh, shame and then as hagrid is finishing the story there is a knock on the door and it's Umbridge. yeah ah. <laughs> so they hide under the invisibility cloak and she comes in and she like knows that people are there like she's seen she's a, footprints and blah blah marks. blah but she like hunts around for them and just like cannot find also them. hagrid has no clue who she is she, yeah he's like who why are you here? Who, uh yeah hello? and <laughs> he doesn't quite get like the severity of it. No, why would you? Yeah, so then she interrogates Hagrid as to where he's been and he's just like, I've been away for my health, and she's <laughs> been like, You look rough as shit. And he's, he's like, like I tripped over a large broomstick. <laughs> Convincing lie there, Hagrid. Oh, Hagrid. Convincing lie. Oh, just Hagrid. say that you're into BDSM, be like, Yeah, this is all kink injuries, like I got I got with a guy she's really into knife play. Just say that. She might fire him but you can't that's kink shaming umbridge can fire people for anything i'm not saying it's right <sighs> yeah so the chapter ends with hermione warning him not to teach them anything dangerous yeah and she's like very determined to not let hagrid be fired which is very sweet because she is openly admitted that grubbly Pank is a better teacher but she is like hagrid will not be fired i will not let it happen yeah. and that's very sweet it is chapter 21 the eye of the snake. It's the eye of the snake. <laughs> that the was really of the fight. I didn't remember like well. Like I knew what happened in this chapter, but like I forgot until like the end bit. So like the entire way through, I was like, "Why is this called the eye of the snake again?" And it's... then I got to the end, and I was like, oh. "This chapter has like three distinct bits. There's like the bit with Umbridge, the bit in the DEA no, the the kissing bit." And then suddenly it's Mr. Weasley getting up. There's like, there's a lot in this chapter. Like, there's a lot. Yeah, a lot happens. So it's the next day and and Hermione goes down to talk to Hagrid to help to plan his lessons. Harry and Ron can't come because they have so much homework. And then the next day they go down to care of magical creatures. Hagrid leads them into the forbidden, Forbidden Forest, saying he's the only person in Britain to train this herd, which is what I mentioned that, like, that is amazing. Yeah, That's incredible. And all the students are like, "What are you doing? We're all just in a forest, and you've got half a dead cow." Yeah. So um, then a horse comes out, but like it's really parallel that like no one else can see them. And ha- ha- Harry's like, "Oh yeah, like it's these things." Yeah. Like, oh, it's These things. Yeah. They, they, they Hagrid do exist. Oh, then, I-, like- I thought there was a really cute nod. When Harry first sees the horse, he said, and a horse or like the, the nose appeared between two yew trees and yew, tree, yew trees are a symbol of death. And obviously the horses oh, only appear when yeah. you see death. I was like, that's a very cute nod if you know like what things symbolize. Yeah, like, that's a that's, good, nice. that's an English literature thing With like a teacher would make you pull it out and be like, you is a symbol of death. Yeah, <laughs> it's just... really just all authors are really pretentious oh yeah like there was no need for that but I like it yeah yeah so Harry's really relieved he's like oh my god yay but then like he's just realises that no one else can see them yeah he's like Rod, look and Ron's like what do you want and then like slowly some people start to realise that just like flesh is being ripped off this meat yeah and Harry realises that like everyone else can't see it apart from him Neville and a Slytherin yeah (laughs) and there's like multiple people in this lesson Hagrid does it more subtly, but I still find it a bit weird that you say, who can see them? Arthur yeah. just said, you can only see them if you've seen death. I'm like, um, is that the yeah. okay question to ask children? <laughs> yeah, but also like when Hagrid says that they're Thestrals, Hermione's like, oh and I'm like, surely from the context clues, she could have worked <laughs> this out. Like, I just feel like that, like, what else is it going to be at this point? Do you know what I mean? Like, if she knows what they are, you okay. could have been like, well, I wonder what's invisible and ripping up this meat and that Harry can see. You know? Yeah. Although, maybe that's why in the text, Harry only ever mentions them to Ron. Because Hermione would have worked out all the textual things of Harry working out what they are. He mentions it to Ron. True. But like, she can't have been far away. They're really codependent. (laughs) She's just there like, I'm not going to tell him. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just going to let him think he's gone insane. (laughs) Yeah, so who can see them? And then they have to put their hands up like, I've seen a dead person. Yeah. Great. Umbridge arrives and... Oh what she does in this next section is so disgusting and I have like witnessed people doing this and it is absolutely revolting. Mm. She talks slowly and in a loud voice to imply that he's he can't understand but then she pretends she can't hear back to imply that his like voice and accent is worse than it is and I haven't so much seen the talking slowly I have actually to people with like how people interact with certain disabled people but I've also seen people do the talking back loudly and pretending you haven't heard someone to people who have accents and it's so it's it's so derogatory it's so disgusting yeah it's also the fact that then like Hagrid is being like such a nice person here and this is like another bit where like I think that it speaks a lot to his character where like she's speaking to him in this way and he accommodates for her. Exactly. He thinks that this is on her he's end. like, oh, she can't hear, I'll mime. Yeah, so he's starting to speak, like, slower and, like, miming things for her, like, really, like, altering how he is thinking that this is how he needs to communicate with her. But she knew he would do that. She is laying traps for exactly. him. She's laying and it, traps. Because it, she is an intelligent person at the end of the day. Yeah, and it's it's horrible, but I just... I think that it really speaks to, like, Hagrid's character that he, he starts to do this and, like, not in a patronising way, but yeah. he just, like you know, he, he matches her energy. Yeah. Um, and, like, it, it it's it, really it's, heart it's nice that, like, he does that. But also, like, is, yeah, it's him being nice in, like, a really, like, gullible way. I know. It's, um, it's re- and and then, Hermione is actually, like, crying with anger. Yeah, because then Umbridge starts to be like, oh, like, he has to resort to using mime. And it's like, no, 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 he he was matching your energy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just... Oh, she was doing it purposely. And then, I yeah, got angry reading this. I did, because then she starts to ask him trap questions. So she asks him things which lead him where the only possible answer for him to give is wrong or is going to get him in trouble. And then she starts to ask the class questions where they can only answer negatively. Like, do you ever struggle to understand Hagrid? Why is that the first question? Like, yeah uh, it's completely like leading questions oh, it's it's really horrific to read because i i i realized upon reading this that i have witnessed not not this extreme but people do behaviors like this towards yeah. people and it's like she starts to interview the like students whilst he's trying to teach and it's like how can anyone focus when you're within earshot of like people talking about your teaching abilities exactly like, and then it's like oh he loses the thread of what he's talking about yeah of course he yeah does. she's like oh he has poor short-term memory and like The lesson was a good lesson before she showed up. Like it wasn't a pretty good lesson. Yeah. Oh, and the Slytherin. The question she asked the Slytherin is designed to trap Hagrid. Can you understand him? Then she literally goes up to Neville and says, "Who did you see die?" Yeah. As if how does that, like how does that reflect on the? And then she's like, "So no, because she's trapping Neville again." So she's like, "Who did you see die?" So do you like these Thestrals? Of course, he's going to be like, um. I don't think they're great because, like, it's a lot for him to process right now. So yeah. she's trapping him. Oh, she's... The thing is, what it shows is she's incredibly intelligent as well. She went into this situation knew, knowing what she was doing. Yeah. And it's she's it's so manipulative. Oh, I hated it. Yeah. So it's December now. <laughs> the, tra- <laughs> the book is like, it's December. <laughs> yes. Ron and Harry... No, Ron and Hermione are doing extra prefect duties, so they're out a lot. And December is kind of pas- passing in a bit of a blur. Harry's like, "I'm loving DA." La, la la. But he really wants to leave Hogwarts for Christmas. He's sick of Hogwarts. Hermione's going skiing with her parents, but Ron is going to the borough and forgets to invite Harry. Yeah, and just, Harry assumes he's not just, going. And like Ron just assumes that he, <gasps> he knows is. that he is, which is just like Really sweet. <laughs> I know it's Ron's assumption that of course Harry knows he's going. That is yeah. unbelievably it, sweet because he's like, "Why would I invite you? Of course you're coming." Yeah, it's it just shows how like they're just their family. And like, the, yeah, because I think even Hermione's reaction is like, "You're an idiot." Yeah. like I'm like, oh. also like this would be me. I would never assume that. Like, oh, I just I really and then Harry's like, and Harry felt so happy. I was like, oh baby, you really think Ron would go home to the Burrow and just be like. Bye. Have fun in Hogwarts. Yeah. Oh. So sweet. Oh. So Dobby decorates the Room of Requirement <laughs> with like baubles with Harry on saying like, have a Harry Christmas. <laughs> I think we need to get baubles with Daniel Radcliffe's face on that say, have a Harry Christmas. Yeah. But also like one saying like, have a Hannah Christmas and then like, have a happy Charlie. <laughs> have a happy Charlie. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and there's also like patches of mistletoe, and oh, Dobby is such a sweetheart. So Angelina walks in in a bit of a mood because uh, she has finally replaced the Quidditch team, but obviously she's upset that like Harry yeah. friend George aren't there. But it turns out that Ginny has been made seeker, and Harry's like, sorry, what? <laughs> So what? I've <laughs> been replaced. You, 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 you gonna <laughs> Ginny, and it isn't brought up and for like another like half the book. How Ginny became Seeker. It's really just dropped in this chapter and left. And I kind of love that. Like everyone's just like, okay, <laughs> yeah. I love that Ginny clearly didn't tell anyone either. Like she clearly didn't tell Ronald. As Harry would have known, mm. she just went and did it and tried out, and now she's secret. I love it. Yeah, the lesson carries on like normal. Harry is. Uh, repeating things that have already been done. So the class kind of had them in their brain. And then after the lesson, there's I found this, like... <laughs> so awkward but also so accurate of things where you're this age where you're wanting to hang behind to like talk to the person you fancy but like you would naturally like walk back with someone so Harry's kind of like and Ron and Hermione eventually left without him I'm like what did you have to do to get them to leave and I imagine yeah. like Hermione's like dragging Ron like, out of the room like instantly yeah she's like we need to leave and Ron's like Why her- are we Hermione would have known it before Harry knew it Yeah, Hermione yeah. would have been like trying to get Ron out of there Ron would have been clinging on about halfway through Harry would have thought oh I could be alone with her here like, yeah. I imagine it ended with Hermione literally like Dragging, dragging yeah. Ron out of this room. Yeah, because Ron <laughs> just wants to wait for his bro. Why would they not walk back to the Gryffindor common room together? And then Cho is like to Marietta, like, no, no, you go. I'll catch up. Why would you not walk back together? It's so awkward and it's just so reminiscent of school things where you want to hang around with your crush. I'm like, oh, I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Harry hangs back to talk to Cho and then she just, just starts crying. Oh harry does an absolutely shit job of comforting her because of course he does she's like if cedric had known this stuff he wouldn't have died and like to harry's, and like, harry's he's like, like he, he would have died anyway he would have died anyway which like she does need to hear because of the way she thinks he's not good enough but like yeah and th- but then she's like oh i'm sorry yeah and then cho ends up apologizing she's like i'm sorry i'm crying um you probably don't want to think about this and harry's just like yeah Yeah. It's Harry being so self-centred because I do get the like, I do get that he just wants to be able to like move past it and not be reminded of it. But it's like, so does Cho, but for Cho, she needs answers and to be able to work past it. And Harry could view this as like a shared experience with her. I think that's what Cho's looking for as well. She's looking for that shared experience and Harry's not giving it to her. Exactly. Like he just is. And you know, that's totally fair. Like you, different people process like kind of you know trauma and and loss and like grief differently that that alone is a sign that they're just not compatible no yeah Um, 100% Cho goes from crying to horny within (laughs) moments and it is the single most relatable thing (laughs) (laughs) she's like crying and then she just starts to walk towards him and then she's like yeah I really like you and he doesn't reply he's just like This is honestly, like, there's so many ways that you can read Harry because I think that you, like, can totally read Harry as bisexual. I think that in this chapter you can read him either as gay or asexual. Like, honestly, like, he just does not fucking get it. Like, does he? Like this is, like, a girl he has apparently fancied for ages and she says, I really like you, Harry. And he goes... Yeah. And then like, she she's has got to no go, game. And then she's clearly being like, she's clearly trying to be like, I like you too, and go in for a kiss. So she then has to be like, Look,
1: mistletoe. I'm like,
0: Harry. And then he's like, M- His arms felt frozen. I'm like, Do a better job at yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. Like, I am amazed and chose confidence. Well, I am. That... I live for it. Because I, I would have just been like, Oh, I really like you. And then he would have said nothing, and I'd be like, I'm, I'm gonna leaving go, and then I'm jumping out a window no, into yep. the lake. Yeah, so like, go her confidence. <laughs> yeah, like absolutely amazing. So she, Harry's like, I can see the freckles on her nose. She was really pretty, even though she would been crying. Yeah. So then, and then the this chapter like, just no, it's not even no, it just not the chapter, but yeah, just this. But scene. this is good because J.K. Rowling can't write sexually romance thing so it's very good that she just cut it yeah and i like it almost because and i think she mentioned this in an interview she almost i think she said and this is how i feel about it she felt it was intrusive to write it because it's like a first kiss and it's a private thing and even though it's a fictional character she felt it would have been intrusive to write it yeah and i i actually see that i almost like that it cuts off because it gives this impression of first kisses and harry repeats it and it isn't perfect and it's messy and he didn't enjoy and it was weird but it's private and it's yours yeah definitely and i like Um, that So then Harry goes back to the common room and he's thinking about it. (laughs) Okay, you know, okay, I have like, okay, so you know I said like when they're sitting by the lakes, the moment I would have gone down to Harry Potter. Yeah. This and a chapter in book seven, which I'll reveal when we get there, because Mm. I don't know why I'm keeping suspense, but I want to. But this section of this chapter is one of my favourites in all the books. I just think the banter, the way the banter is written between them is absolutely like perfect, like absolutely peak. I yeah. love it. Yeah, that makes me laugh every time I read this bit. Yeah. <laughs> but Harry's thinking about it as a secret that he wants to take to the grave, which is just so weird. I would it's never tell so anyone weird. I kissed a girl. It's like, this is why I'm like, is he gay? Is he asexual? Like the fact that, he, like, what? I just, it's He's such confused. weird phrasing. baby. Like, he kind of just wants to keep it to himself, which is like, I do get, but like saying like a secret you want to take to the grave yeah. is like, what, you kissed a hot older girl? like, yeah, like go on, tell everyone. So weird. So he but... gets back to the comic. I just love the image of Hermione and Ron in this moment because it so epitomizes them. Hermione is sitting, writing this incredibly long letter that's already like yeah. reaching the floor. And Ron is lying on the rug, finishing his homework. And as a serial, like, floor liar, i i really love ron in this moment yeah i do don't i though i'm like i will just lie here now yes harry is just in a daze and hermione is like i know how to get answer of him i will turn into a businesswoman so she's like did cho corner you and harry's like yeah and ron's like oh my god oh my god and then hermione's like <laughs> Did you kiss? It's like no wonder Ron and Harry are such good friends because Harry, like, Ron is as unobservant as Harry is. Like, Hermione has clocked this entire time what's going on more than Harry has, and what Ron is think? just Where clueless. Where did you think Harry was during this time? Yeah. <laughs> like, what did you think was going on? Like, I just, I just love his, like, puppy dog enthusiasm and his best friend's kissing. He's like, oh, my God, did you? Was it nice? Was he, it weird? Yeah, he's I like, love it. And you can so tell he's crit. the most childish out of the three, though. Like, yeah, off the bat. Yeah, the, the His reaction to the kissing, he's almost, like, grossed out, but intrigued by it. I'm like, oh, you are not ready to kiss someone yet, my love. Yeah, no, he's really, really <laughs> he's not. He's really, really he's not. He's really not. Um, So, yeah, Hermione is asking about Cho in a business-like voice. Harry says the kiss was wet <laughs> because she yeah, was, it was crying. Yep. <laughs> And then we get one of the best moments of the <laughs> So Ron asks if Harry is that bad at kissing. Hermione says, of course he's not. And Ron's like, how would you know? <laughs> And then and Hermione then... <laughs> just goes into everything Cho's feeling. Oh my God. And she like analyzes it. And then she has two of the best lines of the whole book. So she's like breaking down how chose feeling, why Cho's feeling, how she knows it. And then she says, Ron is the insensitive, most insensitive wart she's ever had the misfortune of meeting. And that Ron has the emotional range of a teaspoon. And I'm like beautiful woman these yes. words you craft about this childish man are perfect like i yep. live for it i'm living for her in this chapter yeah but yeah hermione's got and it was it's really interesting actually because i i read this book for the first time when i was god i don't know i suppose 11 12 and i don't feel i understood the emotions that hermione was describing about Cho. i was like god that is a lot like i don't get that reading hermione's explanation of it now i understand completely everything Cho is feeling the confusion because does she really like Harry is it a reaction to the grief does she like Harry more than Cedric and like all this building up and she's she's very clearly very depressed and no one is here to help her like Hermione's like she's crying at mealtimes and lessons in the toilets all the time I'm like same (laughs) maybe she needs some help (laughs) but also same Uh, <laughs> harry just seems terrified of cho and terrified of women in general <laughs> he's terrified of the explanation he's like oh. yeah just completely overwhelmed uh, and then hermione's just like so you're going to date her are you going to see her again and harry's uh, like yeah i'll have to see her in the lessons yeah and like, like just, the thought had not occurred to him that he to might ask, want to date this woman yeah i just harry is not ready to date someone in this that book they just kissed and he just stood there for a moment and then just left no, she started crying for a full half an hour. No, I like... In my, in my head, <laughs> they kissed. I like to think he said, thank you. Yeah, he definitely said, thank, thank you, you. And then just left. <laughs> <laughs> Why wasn't all of this moment in the films? This passage was one of the best things ever. Oh, so then... <laughs> harry's like oh the idea of dating her had never occurred to me and then he's like oh but i guess whenever i imagine her i imagine her happy and that's not what she is now yeah i'm like oh I, my gosh! i do feel really bad for harry in this chapter because i just feel like he deserved like a happy good first kiss and this was like a s- traumatizing <laughs> first kiss not that that's Cho's fault because Cho needs some therapy and harry yeah. really doesn't deal with her grief in any way that is healthy at all. But yeah, yeah Harry also deserves-, deserves... And you know, Har- Harry's not to blame, Cho's not to blame. But I just like, Harry deserved like a really happy and this is like, so complicated and depressing and, and like, like traumatic. Brings, yeah, and brings up so much for Cedric, which like, for even for, it's very tied up and mixed up for Cho, but for Harry it's very mixed up. Like, it, you wouldn't want your first kiss marred by the fact that she dated a guy who you'd seen murdered. Like, yeah, It's not nice, which is why I really love his relationship with Ginny as poorly as it's written in book six, because it is simple and happy. Yeah. There is nothing complicated about it. It's just, they just like each other. And like, I think that's really beautiful. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Ron demands to know what Hermione is doing. Like, why is she writing this letter? And Hermione's like, I'm writing to Victor. (laughs) Yeah, like, I love the in contact, <laughs> especially because I'm like, what does she have to say to him? It's especially because like it's this long, six, like foot letter. Like the man's a himbo. Chill. I imagine slightly that because she was writing it in front of Ron, it's just full of nonsense. But she just wanted to keep writing until Ron asks her who it's to. Oh, hundred percent. She's like, he will ask if I keep going, and like the letter is just like. It's, random yeah, it's, nonsense it's not even a several page long letter she just keep kept rewriting the same letter yeah, until, until asked. ron asked her, like yeah. this is my head that she's like she like i'm not going to make him and eventually he asked victor crumb how many other victors do we know <laughs> <laughs> love it he's so obviously jealous he then when he goes up with harry to the door which he is like what does she see in him and harry's like well He's older and he's an international Quidditch player and everyone's like... And he's a himbo. Yeah. And Everyone's like, yeah, but apart from that. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's like, he's a bit grouchy though, isn't he? I'm like, so are you. Yeah. So are you, mate. Apart from you're Kettle. not an international Quidditch player, so exactly. you're worse. <laughs> exactly. Or a himbo. Or a himbo. You're just a sweet, misguided man who isn't ready to kiss anyone yet. Yeah. Harry is very confused as he goes to sleep, and he begins a dream which is like so classic when you've got a lot on your mind. Like J.K. Rowling actually describes dreams in a really good way when you've got a lot on your mind. Like the way that Cho is demanding he gives him chocolate frogs cards, and then like Cedric gave her hundreds. Like it, it's, it's yeah. an accurate dream thing. But then the dream changes very suddenly, and he is a snake.
1: He's a snake slithering
0: along a corridor. I'm a little snake. I'm a snake. I'm a little snake. The snake sees a man sitting in front of a door. And the book kind of states that the snake did not intend to bite the man at first. That wasn't his plan. Mm. But the man stirs. So he has to attack him. And he bites him multiple times until the man goes still and stops screaming. It's like a pretty intense description. <laughs> yeah. And at this point, Harry opens his eyes. He's covered in sweat his scar is searing in pain and he rolls over and vomits and this description of harry in so much pain like i found it really upsetting because he was a child like especially something about the vomiting i was like he doesn't have pet like imagine being 15 like i i would want Mm. an adult to just hold me like hold me and like ron is there like a shot does not leave his side even when harry is vomiting he's like just wait talk to me like ron stays with him but harry needs like an Adult to hold him, yeah, little baby, <laughs> a baby, little baby. I think this is really interesting as well because it's like we've seen a lot of Harry kind of having these not even like premonitions, but seeing things through Voldemort's eyes. But yeah, in this moment, he's seeing it through another one of the Horcruxes, and that's really interesting because it shows that there's like <gasps> yeah. that link there. Like I-, I thought it was because no. <sighs> But he sees Ye- it through the snake's eyes. Yeah, because but because Voldemort is intentionally seeing it through the snake's eyes. So Voldemort is choosing to look through the snake's eyes at this point. So yeah. Harry is seeing it through the snake's eyes. Yeah, but I also think, like, because there's a bit of Voldemort's soul yeah, in like the Yeah, like, they snake. all connect easily. So yeah, it, I see it's you... one in the same. It, it's not that Voldemort is possessing the snake. Voldemort is the snake. Like, yeah. he's in the snake. So, so therefore Harry, Harry is, is just seeing it through one of the other Horcruxes, mm. which is like very interesting it is it's like a good hint for the whole thing if you were like counting the clues like looking back you're right exactly yeah harry managed to sit up and the chapter is actually really good at building suspense in this because when the snake the snake does not recognize the man it is just a man yeah it is harry who recognizes him but the chapter hides that until he grabs ron and says your dad your dad has been attacked we need to help and it is a proper like (gasps) yeah and like you're like sorry what yeah and it tells you that it's not just a dream because if it had been a dream in the dream harry would have been like mr weasley mr weasley that that's is the fact that happened. it's like a man and then he wakes up and he's like it was your dad that tells <laughs> you that that was not a dream this is where if it was a tv series it would cut off as he grabs ron and says your dad your yeah. dad has and been attacked like, go to ads go to ad. like yeah. oh i can see it i can see yeah. it so yeah. but ron is like harry you're ill you are not okay and doesn't believe him which like yeah, is yeah, yeah, understandable but also and- you wouldn't want to believe him <laughs> no but also like we learn in a later chapter ron has seen harry Thrashing for the last minute, he knows he has been in his bed. Neville, bless his little heart, runs for help. Yeah. I wonder, like, if there is like a quick way to get McGonagall or someone when you need help, or does he have to run halfway across the school? Well, you would think that it would make sense if, like, the head of houses there, like, rooms were near the the common rooms yeah we don't actually know where Professor Gordon's sleeping quarters are I assume they're not in the transfiguration common rooms she she comes down when there's noise very quickly it must be that she's like in the tower somewhere yeah yeah, yeah, because she comes within like a minute and a half so I'm assuming she's with like you would have to be for safety reasons have an adult in the tower exactly exactly. so yeah she comes so but there is a minute wait and the book describes it as like this horrific kind of like it felt like an eternity which I can really feel because Harry is there like he's bleeding he's bleeding bleeding i need to go mcgonagall arrives in a dressing gown and harry says ron's dad's been attacked he saw it and at first mcgonagall is like you mean you dreamt it and he just starts yelling he is like no i saw it i saw what happened you have to believe me and obviously mcgonagall knows the rotor of guarding the door to the department of mysteries so as soon as harry says like but does she know it that well I think so. Because I was thinking about this and I'm like... Because I don't, like... Because I feel like the teachers at this point, like, are potentially slightly out of the order of the Phoenix in that, like, they probably can't attend every meeting and blah, blah, blah. So they might not actually be privy to exactly who is it's every night. Yeah. It's they not might like, not know the rotor. Yeah. It's not like they've got a Google sheet and yeah. they, they can't be sending letters back and forth. with this information. But she knows that Mr. Weasley is in rotation for yeah, guarding. So when ha- that, that doesn't, you know, but I'm like, I wonder if Dumbledore had Given her the heads up that at some point Harry might see something yeah, um, because, and to take it seriously. Yeah, because so Dumbledore is scared this whole book that Harry will get possessed. So, therefore, he can't give Harry for information or speak to him in yeah. case Harry does something. So, yeah, maybe she's given McGonagall the head up, or maybe it's just McGonagall's instincts in the way that she knows Harry. Like, she knows Harry incredibly well and knows when something is wrong. And she is like, I believe you, we're going to Dumbledore. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate McGonagall. I do. But yeah, Also so... she's standing there with like a pool of vomit around her because Harry's vomited on the floor twice, bless his little soul. Yeah. Dean and Shane is just like, what do we do with that? It's just yeah. vomit everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So then McGonagall takes him off presumably to go see Dumbledore. Go see Dumbledore. It's a very wild chapter that one. It is. It's like, actually it, like a very yeah, exciting it chapter about. And I I like that it goes from this kind of like, oh, we kissed. Oh, I should have asked her out to suddenly like someone's dying it, it is one of the lightest most funniest passages in the book to one of the most suspenseful which yeah. is really great i think yeah, yeah. really good we have a we question do. so this is from becky who says i can't stop thinking about a comment you made in book two about <laughs> snape being gina from brooklyn 9-9. i love that i can't remember this. oh i already messaged her being like I cannot remember saying this comment, but if you say we said it, I we believe pro- you. We pro- it sounds like something we would say, I just can't remember why we did. So does that mean Gina is a Slytherin? If so, would you sort the main characters of Brooklyn Nine Nine into their Hogwarts houses? Okay. I think it would be hilarious to see what the pair of you would sort them into. Okay, okay I'm, gonna I'm just up gonna up a list get a, list of yeah, count. I'm getting yeah. just just so that I don't miss anyone and like things like that. I mean, Jake is a Slytherin, uh, a Gryffindor. Why Jake? did I say no? Jake is a hundred percent a Gryffindor. Uh, Amy is Ravenclaw. a pretty obvious Ravenclaw. Rosa, Slytherin. Slytherin. Yeah. Terry. Ter- Terry's a Hufflepuff, hundred percent. Yeah. Terry okay, loves yeah. yogurt, and Terry's a Hufflepuff. Holt. Ooh. Holt. Ravenclaw. Yeah. Boyle. Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. Gina. So is it Gina that we said was? Yeah. So apparently we said she was like Snape. I do not remember making this comment. I'm sure we had a reason. Um, I think she's a um, Slytherin. She's she's incredibly. Yeah, Slytherin. S- like, s- s- not self-centered, self-possessed. Like she's incredibly. She knows what she wants. Yeah, Scully. Scully Hitchcock. I'm counting them together. They're one person, and they are Gryffindors. Yeah, yeah. I think Gryffindor. Um, Doug Judy. Oh, the best Dog Slytherin. Judy! Slytherin. Slytherin. Yeah. Oh, I love Doug Judy. I've been He's watching like a I've been watching. All of the office in this lockdown, and I am like the two characters like confused in my mind. Yeah, uh, uh, Pimento. Pimento. Oh, Pimento is wild. Oh my yeah, gosh, God, um... he. <laughs> Gryffindor, Gryffindor maybe I think that's all the like the main characters yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. all the rest are like minor that was fun that I, was we were, the, we were so, oh, so a al- lot I think that's the thing with sitcoms is characters are caricatures so they're easy to sort into houses yeah yeah but like this is why like recently I tweet about I made like a kind of master list of oh, um like tv sitcom tropes and I've been just sorting everyone I've ever met Apparently, into um, the square yeah sorry Apparently I'm the bully according to other people. <laughs> oh, you are a bully. Yeah. No, you're not. You only bully people you like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and those that I don't like I'm really nice to that's a bit scary thank you so much for that question Becky that was actually like super fun although that I do not one. remember making that comment so I don't I'm gonna have to go back and try and find that yeah, which episode? Oh, that, actually please? if someone could just tweet us to tell us what yeah, the fuck we tell said tell us when we said that please because someone do the work for us yeah basically we listen to our own voices enough please <laughs> exactly this was a really fun episode if I it sound was. exhausted it's the I am both exhausted and so hyped up and there is still more left in that motherfucking bucket Knee drink it let's make him drink it <laughs> Just chug, chuck, chuck. chug. <laughs> uh, Should we get him in? Neil? Do you want any more of the bucket? Are you sure? Yeah. It's going down the sink. <laughs> uh, bye guys. Bye guys. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of goblet of wine to find us on social media search at goblet of wine pod on twitter or at goblet of wine podcast on instagram we also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do this podcast is produced by our wonderful hufflepuff tier patrons veronica sandra samuel riannon matt Kristen, katie Catherine, emily and alexia